0: Podcasters Assemble! Hey, this is Ben from the Fake Nerd Podcast. Hi,
1: it's Jason from the Drinkopedia Podcast.
2: Hey everyone, it's Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. This is True Power from the Power Playthroughs Podcast.
3: Hey everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. This is Kate from the Nerd of Paradise Podcast.
4: I'm Arjuna Gonzalez from Fox from the Level Editor.
5: This is Sparks Witty from the Fake Nerd Podcast. And we're talking about Spider-Man Homecoming.
4: Spider-Man Homecoming.
3: Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming.
6: Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming.
5: Spider-Man Homecoming. On Spider-Man Homecoming.
2: This movie is fun. Peter Parker,
1: full disclosure, is my favorite character in
0: all of comic bookdom. I absolutely love this movie. I've been a huge fan of Spider-Man ever since I was a
6: kid. I was excited about a new Spider-Man movie uh, well before this came out, uh, and then we got to meet Spider-Man in Civil War, and I thought that Tom Holland did a fantastic job in the little bit we got to see of him there. So I was totally on board with this one, and I am so excited that... I wasn't wrong.
0: This movie's great. I love how the film tactfully goes around. It's like, look, you know how Spider-Man got his powers. You know why he decided to become Spider-Man. It's not like a Blaine's like, okay, we've seen this or heard this before. And I really like how it's just how this movie looks into the life of Peter Parker as a teenager in high school trying to get the girl to go to homecoming with him.
1: He's a good boy. He does his grades. He goes to school. He gets a girl sometimes, maybe multiple girls because he's just a good boy.
5: We've never gotten a film that dissected him so well, and I think the decision to put him in high school and show him at the beginning of his roots this way
2: worked really well. It felt real. It felt like we were actually seeing a teenager.
3: I really, really enjoyed this one. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies. Some of the other movies are good, but if they're in a different era, I feel like sometimes the humor is a little bit lost, especially for maybe the younger audience.
6: It's so much fun. It's it's got heart. It's got action. It's got comedy. It it makes for a nice like high school romp as well as a superhero movie.
1: I think this is a real celebration of Spider-Man's youth. And I think that's something that the director, uh, I believe his name is John Watts, really tried to go for and really tried from the get go to go for to really capture. I think the Breakfast Club vibe is what he was going for. And it it all takes us back to high school, you know. I think we've seen Spider-Man in high school for such a long time, we're just used to him being young and being stupid.
7: Peter makes a lot of bad choices, and he's just immature. And it frustrates me. its a, I mean, it's a good movie. There's funny little quips here and there.
1: But this is a celebration of that. It's not just him being there. It's this full experience of like, well, what does it mean to be in high school? What does it mean to be developing and to try and find yourself in the world and balance all these different things and I think to take that all the way back is a smart move on Marvel's part.
6: I really like that during the Marvel logo in Spider-Man Homecoming, we get the Spider-Man theme playing over the Marvel logo coming in, like the old school Spider-Man theme. Um, it's it's very good that that's there. This movie is very good at being nerdy. It knows exactly what it is. It is a Spider-Man movie it is geeky and nerdy and fun, and it just does all of that so very, very well. Having that theme in there at the beginning tells you, hey, this is going to be a fun ride. So right at the start of the movie, we get to meet um, our villain. Um, we, meet, uh, we meet Tombs. He's leading up a, a salvage team that's basically working the salvage uh, leftover from the Battle of New York back in the first Avengers movie. He seems like a nice guy at this point until damage control shows up and lets him know that basically anything involving any alien tech is now being... Uh, controlled by Damage Control, which is a partnership between the government and Tony Stark.
2: I love the idea that they're, you know, the salvage company. It's a little sad that they had to introduce the Damage Control thing here, because if you guys remember, that was actually going to be its own television show of the company that had to come in and clean up after big superhero fights. And that was a short-lived comic book series actually in, I think, the 2000s. But I like the idea that he's just the working class guy and then he does this and it helps with the kids. So
6: so Tony Stark is getting paid to clean up his own mess, which seems bad. I feel like that could have come up in the Sokovia Accords as, as like an interesting concern. In any case, uh, Tooms gets uh, taken away from the job site while he, he punches a dude in the face and gets kicked off the job site. Um, But he realizes that, oh man, they, oops, oopsies, they took home a truck full of alien tech. Oh no, gosh, oh darn, what are we going to do? Make weapons and sell it to criminals in order to basically fund and create a criminal empire? Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. Cut to eight years later.
3: My favorite hero moment is at the beginning when Peter is making his movie about his adventures with the Avengers.
4: You know, like Robo Gonzalez a few episodes back, I wasn't totally liking the idea of uh, really adolescent Peter Parker, but, you know, filming a YouTube vlog in 2018, that, like, makes a lot of sense for a character like Peter Parker to do, and it's done very well.
3: I thought this was really funny and well-executed, And very believable. Something um, that a kid in this day and age would definitely do.
4: Other than the superhero fight scenes, it feels like something a teenager would put on YouTube. And it kind of reminds me of what I've seen of Jake or Logan Paul's vlogs. Except it's not horrible and stupid like theirs are.
1: I think one of the moments in this movie that I really appreciate, and this is just a personal thing, is... In this universe, Peter Parker in high school is part of academic decathlon, which I definitely think they tacked on as like, what's the nerdiest thing a person can do? Well, that's the nerdiest thing a person can do. And it's the nerdiest thing I ever did in high school. I was also part of academic decathlon. And it's not as exciting as it is in the movie. It's just a bunch of freaking high school nerds taking tests, 10 tests that are all like worth a thousand points each. And I killed it. I killed it in high school. I'm really, I'm really glad that it got some representation in this movie. Uh, basically, I am Peter Parker, and that's my
2: favorite hero moment. Me. I love the fact that he's just trying to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and he's keep bugging Tony Stark.
6: That's what Spider-Man should be. That's I love Spider-Man just. Hanging out in the neighborhood, doing good stuff. So we get this awesome montage where he runs into an alley and he's like stripping his clothes off as he runs down the alley and uh, puts them all into a backpack that he webs to a dumpster. Uh, and then he he goes off to be Spider Man and he's like
0: getting the bike from the bike thief, helping that old lady with directions.
6: He then buys a Maturo. Uh, he, he sees a guy who's like this. This guy's like, I don't have the quote written down, but he goes, Are you that? Are you that Spider Guy from YouTube? And Peter goes, "Call me Spider Man." He goes, "Okay, Spider Man, do a flip," and and he does a flip. And the guy goes, "Yeah!" And it's just, I love I love seeing Peter just hanging out being Spider Man. But it's sad that that's not satisfying for him. He he wants
7: he wants to do so much more. Spider Man is jumping around, just doing neighborly things, trying to help people. He sees a guy trying to open a car door with a um like to break into the car. Um, and Peter comes up to him, and is like, hey buddy, you shouldn't steal cars, it's bad. And he reds him. And then um, the carjacker's like, it's my car, dumb And then a bunch of all the neighbors start leaning their heads out the window. They're like, shut that off. And I work nights, come on, dude. And another guy's like, that's not your car, that's his car. And Peter's like, how was I supposed to know he was putting that thing in the window? And so they're all getting mad, saying, shut it off. And then the guy leans out, which is Stanley, and he's like, "Don't make me come down there, you punk!" And a lady from another building, it's like, "Hey, Gary, how you doing?" It's like, "Marjorie, how are you? How's your mother?"
0: So, my favorite hero moment in Homecoming is when Spider-Man stops the bank robbers and or the the guys stealing the money from the ATMs because. He quips a lot, and one of the things I love about this movie is that he is very quippy. In the past Spider-Man films, like the Raimi films and the uh, Mark Webb films, Spider-Man's not really quippy as much. But in this one, like the first thing he says is like, "Hey, you guys aren't." He's like, "Hey, you guys are the Avengers." And even as he's uh, fighting them, he's like Thor, Hulk. Fun. I to me because it's in Civil War. They weren't in Civil War, but also the big moment is when the. Is when the gravity or the the one gun goes off and it destroys the deli on the other side of the street spider-man strop- drops what he's doing goes to make sure that the deli owner is okay and the cat in and that the cat is okay and he he webs them up he drops what he's doing he webs up the bad guys I man he goes and saves other people because he knows that other people are in danger and he'll stop what he's doing to go make sure people are okay even if um the bad guys might possibly get away which luckily in this case they didn't but he but it was really nice to see that Spider-Man was um, putting people in front of others.
3: So
7: my favorite line of dialogue in this movie is um, towards the, the beginning. And Peter goes out to eat um, with May and she says to him, what's the matter? Thought you loved Larb. Is it too Larby? Not Larby enough? How many times do I have to say Larb before you talk to me? you know, I love you. (laughs) And Peter says, I'm just stressed. The internship, I'm tired. A lot of work. And May says, the Stark internship, I have to tell you, not a fan of Tony Stark. Distracted all the time. He's got you in your head. So then they're eating and there, there's a news thing going. And then, um, a waiter brings a plate over to them and the waiter says sticky rice pudding. And May goes, Oh, we didn't order that. And the waiter goes, it's on the house. And then he winks and then walks away. And May goes, "Oh, thanks, that's nice of him." And Peter goes, "I think he larbs you." <laughs> it's stupid and funny. I love it.
6: <laughs> I like that we meet Ned really early on in this movie. Um, Ned is Peter's best friend, and he's just—he's a really good, solid guy. And we meet him at the very beginning. Um, he's got, he's got a new Death Star and he wants, uh, a Lego Death Star. He wants Peter to help him build it. It's so sweet. They're so nerdy, but, but Peter can't do it. Cause Peter's got that, that Stark internship. This is used over and over again throughout this movie. They talk about the Stark internship. It's, it's his code word for being Spider-Man. Um, but I like the first time we hear about it here because, uh, Peter talks about getting a real job with, with Stark and Ned goes, yeah, he'd be all like, Good job on those spreadsheets, Peter. Here's a gold coin. And Peter kind of looks at him like, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, excuse me. We don't swear on this show. Peter kind of looks at him. "Mm." Peter kind of looks at him like, what are you talking about? And then he goes, I don't know how jobs work. This is very good. He's so pure. He's so good. He's such a good boy. He's such a good boy.
0: Um, I'm gonna cheat a little bit, and because I have two favorite lines. My first favorite line is when um Peter and Ned are in the gym class watching the Captain America video, and Ned is as give is grill. It's the, during that whole montage is, of um parts where Ned is grilling Peter about his powers, and he's, like, and he's like, "Do you know him?" Pointing to Captain America, and Peter just leans over and says, "Stole a shield," and he's like, "Nice." I probably just – it's one of my favorite lines because uh, um, one and one of my favorite scenes in uh, Civil War was when Peter stole Cap's shield. Like when I first saw that in the trailer for the film before the film came out, that was my first visual Spider-Man in the MCU. That was me thinking, oh, my God, we actually do have Spider-Man in this universe. I can't believe it. And just sitting there like, yeah,
4: I stole the shield. He kicked my ass, but I stole the shield and that was pretty cool. Kind of like how in the Avengers episode, I finally understand the context around a popular Twitter meme. I had seen the gif of Captain America sitting down with a chair in front of a camera, and I thought, oh, that must be some Marvel movie where they've outwitted some villain, and he's sitting in a chair or something. But no, now that meme makes a little bit more sense. I know what that is!
6: The first time we see Vulture in action versus Spider-Man is really terrifying. Uh, Peter's trying to break up a, a, a an arms deal uh, between some of Tomb's men and uh, Donald Glover as, as the Prowler. Uh, as Aaron Davis, maybe? I think that's his name. Um, but he's trying to break it up, and the Vulture shows up and just plucks him just into the air. And the Vulture looks freaking scary, man. That suit is so intimidating. And, and it is every time it shows up. It's, it's scary looking. But I think this very first time we see it, it's just it, it, like Peter should just give up. And he doesn't because he's Peter. And that's, that's what he does. But man, that thing is terrifying right away.
1: I mean, I think we all knew that this villain was going to be a, a home run for Marvel Universe. We've talked about a lot of movies thus far. We've talked a lot about a lot of trash villains. Michael Keaton as an old surly man who flies... He's basically just his 80s Batman, but now. Uh, and I think it's great. I think it's he's just horrifying on his own. We don't really need to go into the context of why or how or what his character and positioning in the story is. He's just a
6: scary old man. He's the founder. And it's, it's great. It works really well. And one of the things that's interesting about this movie is that we do get a ton of different villains. So we've got the vulture, of course, as our primary villain. But then he's he's got a guy working with him who's building weapons for him who's I, I assume a representation of the Tinkerer I don't actually know the Tinkerer's name but I'm gonna call him the Tinkerer. we've got Shocker in here twice because there's one guy is Shocker Tombs kills him and then another guy uses the the Shocker gauntlets um, we've got the Prowler reference um, in Donald Glover's character who references that he's got he's got a nephew in the neighborhood it's Miles Morales oh my gosh.
5: My favorite action scene is definitely Peter chasing after the Shockers in the van, crashing through neighborhoods a la Ferris Bueller. Such an excellent use of Spider-Man in an environment we've never seen him in before, and a great way to show how novice Peter still is in the world of superheroes. There's a lot of great comedy bits like the golf course scene, and it's just a lot of fun to watch. I think that's a great action scene.
6: And then, just to make sure we know that we should be afraid of Tombs, he's not just some arms dealer... He straight up murders uh, the guy who was the shocker for screwing up the arms deal because he's like, I can't I, you're fired, but I can't risk you being out there with knowledge. So he murders him. Turns out he was trying to grab the anti-grav gun, not the disintegration gun. But still, it's it's intense that he murders him right away.
5: I think another great dialogue bit is when Peter interrogates Aaron Davis. That's such a great scene, and this is Donald Glover playing the guy who could one day be the Prowler. The fun in him calling Peter out for needing to improve at the job, and the comedy of Peter leaving him stuck to his car because he deserves that, Mr. Criminal. That's so good.
4: Favorite dangling thread? I'm sure it's the one we're all curious about. Did the ice cream in Childish Gambino's car melt? Everybody's gotta know.
6: When Peter's in Washington, D.C. with the uh, academic decathlon team, uh, he and Ned work on removing the tracker from his suit and find out that there's a baby monitor protocol that's set up on the, the suit, which just disables a bunch of features for it. And Peter convinces Ned to disable this, and Ned tells him it's a bad idea. Um, I, I really appreciate Ned trying to warn him that 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 it's prob- this is probably enabled for a reason. Um... But he uh, he takes it off, and then that's where we get to meet the the lady in the suit.
3: My favorite action scene is when the Washington Monument is in imminent danger. And, you know, the tour guides are all trying to reassure everyone that everything's fine. But then Karen is telling Peter Parker, they're in imminent danger, they're going to die. I thought that was a really funny juxtaposition. And, you know, Peter eventually saving the day. Saving his classmates, his friends, his girlfriend. That was really cool. I also really enjoyed Karen and Peter's exchange where she asks if he would like to engage the enhanced combat mode. And he says, yeah. So she says, activating insta-kill. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to kill anyone. So I really liked the dialogue between Karen, the, the lady voice in his suit, and Peter Parker. I think, like, anytime that was happening was my favorite dialogue.
4: My favorite action scene, it might be the Staten Island Ferry fight, only because, like, I've actually ridden the Staten Island Ferry a couple years back. So this is the first MCU movie where they actually have an action scene, and it set in a specific real-world place that I've been before, which is cool. And it is a cool image seeing Spider-Man swaying between the two halves of the ferry and like shooting webs everywhere to try to hold it together and save everybody on board.
1: Spider-Man really isn't fighting anyone. He punches for about like five seconds. But the majority of the scene, and the, the thing that makes the scene so exciting, is he's attempting to rescue every single person on this boat. And he does it through a series of algorithms and nice little slingy webs. And I think that's what makes Spider-Man the best. And I think that's a defining trait of Spider-Man is he's less of a brawler and more of a lover. Uh, he's more of a savior. He's more of the Superman archetype of he will go and save a kitten out of a tree. And that's really what Spider-Man is about, is he's about saving people, less about punching
0: people. And it's re- very reminiscent of that scene in Spider-Man 2 where um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is doing the webs to stop the subway from, from derailing and from killing a whole bunch of people. He is, I mean, once again, he, we forget that Spider-Man is a 15-year-old kid in the, in the early books and early comics. So he is doing his best. He's webbing the whole, he's webbing the whole boat. He's like, okay, sweet. I got this. I got this. And then when his, um, suit AI, Karen says, Oh, good job, Peter. You were 92% successful. He was like, what? And then the boat just completely starts ripping apart. He freaks out and he's still trying to, he's finding the bad guys. Everything goes to hell. He's, trying to stitch the boat back together with his webbing. And then luckily Iron Man comes in to save the day completely. But it's still one of those things where it's like, oh, man, you were this close, Peter. And what I also like about action scenes, is that it shows he's still a kid. I mean, he might be a super genius kid, but he's still a kid. And he still screws up every once in a while, like missing that one tiny little column to make sure the boat wasn't going to fall apart. But I, I still love that scene.
6: After the big fairy scene where uh, Peter uh, inadvertently caused a fairy to, to split in half uh, and Iron Man had to come in and save the day, Peter's yelling at, at Tony. And th- this leads to one of my favorite lines in this that I think kind of encapsulates what this movie's about. This movie's about, well, it's a, a lot of things. But I, I think one of the themes is um, a, kind of a continuation from from Civil Wars. Tony's not listening. And, and so Peter yells at him. Those weapons were out there, and I tried to tell you about it, but you didn't listen. None of this would have happened if you had just listened to me. If you even cared, you'd actually be here. And then the Iron Man suit pops open, and oh, snap, Tony is there, and he steps out. And he goes, I did listen, kid. Who do you think called the FBI, huh? Do you know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14-year-old kid. But the reason I like this is because it's, it's kind of a, I guess it's a continuation of the Civil War theme and that Tony, like he said, he did listen, but he doesn't respect Peter enough to tell him that he listened. And that's, that's, I think really what this is about is it's not so much listening, but respect and, and respecting kids for like being capable. Um, you know, there, there's, there's this ongoing thing where neither Peter or, or I'm sorry, neither Tony or Happy Hogan have any time for Peter Parker. They assume that Basically, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have time for they don't have time for his views on things because he's a kid. What does he know?
5: It's so great when he says, I wanted to be like you and Tony fires back and I wanted you to be better. What a great encapsulation of Peter's hero worship to Iron Man and how that has in a way stilted his growth. Powerful scene and the ending with Peter saying he's nothing without the suit. Stark Stark just comes right back with the perfect response that if he's nothing without the suit, then he shouldn't have it. This is one of the, the like key scenes to the entire film, and I think it's so well written.
7: Since Tony Stark kind of took him under his wing, he should have kind of worked with them more. And he should have um, t- taken more time to make sure that Peter knew what to do and knew what was okay and what wasn't. Especially because this happened after um, Stark signed the Accords, and knowing that he signed the Accords... And he wasn't, you know, just letting Peter go around the city and do all this stuff on his own. Um, It
3: just kind of of seems irresponsible to me. I really, really enjoy the relationship between Peter Parker and Tony Stark. It was very heartwarming and very heartbreaking now that I know what's going to happen. Because I hadn't seen Spider-Man Homecoming before I saw Avengers Infinity Wars, so that just adds a whole nother level of sadness, and I'm really, really interested to see what happens with Endgame to see how we're going to get Spider-Man back, right? We better.
4: (laughs) My favorite villain moment? I mean, how could it not be the big reveal that Vulture is Liz's dad? Like, Peter Parker walks up to the door and the big bad guy of the movie answers it.
3: I just thought that was a funny take on kind of the cliche, you know, meeting the dad for the first time.
4: And I think a close runner-up for favorite villain moment would be the sequence of Peter Parker, Liz, and Vulture riding in the car to Homecoming. And Vulture is, like, putting the pieces together from the conversation that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And, like, the camera and lighting work on that is really good at amplifying the tension of that scene and it culminates with like that chiaroscuro green light on uh the vulture and saying good old spider-man
2: vulture is such a good villain like everybody talks about it because they should and it's that scene in the car where they're having that conversation, and Michael Keaton just plays that role so good because he's a guy you kind of want to like. Good old
5: Spider-Man is so tense coming from Keaton's half-smile. This is followed up by him keeping Peter back in the car and leaning back to look at him. What's so great about this is that he has a gun to threaten Peter with, but he's holding it on the front side of the passenger seat where Peter can't directly see it. And he doesn't show Peter the gun. He just keeps it right right in front of the
0: seat, turns around and says, All right, Pete. I know you're Spider-Man. It's pretty obvious that you're Spider-Man. And you saved my daughter in DC. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. So I'm going to give you this one, one chance to just not just go inside, have fun at prom. Don't come after me tonight. Because if you do, I'm going to kill everyone you know and love. Obviously, Peter doesn't do that. But I love how um, Michael Keaton plays the villain as just sinister. Is like, hey, you did me a solid. I will respect that. But don't mess with me again. I will mess you up.
6: It's dark and it's scary and I believe it. Toons is messed up and, and he would. He'd he'd kill everybody. He'd kill anybody for what he believes is the right thing. And in his mind, the right thing is anything he wants to do to provide for his family. His perspective is a little flawed because it seems like they're pretty well off. I don't think he really needs to still be, be being a criminal. He could probably pack it in at this point, but that's beside the point.
0: When I first saw a movie theaters, I was on the edge of my seat thinking, "Oh my god, what's going to happen?" Because you you see the gun, the audience sees the gun, but Peter doesn't see the gun. Peter has no idea that there's a gun in the car, and he could have just been like, he could just been killed right then and there, and no one would have known. And it, well, his date would have known, but still, it it's a great scene in the movie. I absolutely, absolutely love that that scene.
4: My favorite line of dialogue, it's gotta be when, um, Ned gets caught in the library. And up until now, he's been trying to get in touch with Happy to tell him what's going on. And he's giving Spider-Man logistical support as he's tracking down Vulture. But one of the teachers walks in and turns on the light on Ned in the library and asks, What are you doing here? There's a dance. And he says, I'm looking at porn. And, like, as that line was playing out, I was thinking, oh, man, is he really going to say it? Is he really going to say it? Are they going to go there with this line? Yes, Yes! Yay! Because I guess I am still 15 in my head. You do stop aging in some part of your brain when you start making video games. But in terms of sheer visuals and just how really cool it looks, I think I might have to give it to the final battle scene with Vulture. I'm just watching how this invisible jet just gets torn apart uh, as the fight progresses and, like, the jet end just falling out of it and Spider-Man almost getting shredded in one of them.
2: It's very very good. I love the scene where he needs to call himself Spider-Man. It's a reference to the iconic moment of Amazing Spider-Man
5: 33 by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and it shows Peter recognizing that he is more than the suit from Stark, which makes him Spider-Man. This is shown really well with the reflection of his face in the water where his mask lies. I really like Peter motivating himself, pushing himself, especially after the scene starts with a stressful breakdown as Peter behaves more like a normal teenager, crying as he panics, shouting for help. But then he rallies himself and he pulls himself together. This is just such a great representation of Peter's growth in this film and him being able to stand literally on his own in the face of these great feats that he doesn't feel he has the the capability to do, and this is proving to himself that he can.
6: Um I think that ultimately at the end of the movie, Toomes doesn't kill Peter because he goes, Oh, he's just a kid. Like he 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 doesn't uh he doesn't think that spider mans going to be able to beat him once he realizes that it's just a kid. But, you know, Peter knows what he's doing. Peter's capable. He's strong.
0: Dangly thread from the movie has to be the Iron Spider suit. Because it's the Iron Spider suit. One of the big things we're wondering... What was going to happen with this new – um with the MCU Spider-Man is how much were they going to take from the books. How much were they going to put in um, with the relationship between Spider-Man and Tony Stark, especially after Civil War. And the Iron Spider suit was a big part of that. I love how a lot of people were saying it's not the Iron Spider suit. It could be the Iron Spider suit. It could be just a different suit altogether. And just the seeing that really design of the Iron Spider suit because – the Iron Spire suit design from the comics is much different than the one from the movie. And I really like how it's, that's how different. But I'm eventually going ahead in Infinity War. We do see the four spider legs come out of the spider suit. And it's like, yes, this is truly the Iron Spire suit. This suit is real and it's awesome. And I just love how it's like, it's that little carrot that the MCU likes to dangle from. He's like, Hey, hey, re- hey, remember, we're probably
2: going to put this in the future film. Just, just, just as you wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then finally, at the end, when he gets offered it, he realizes, uh, you know, that Stark was right all along. Though there's some weird, there's some weird stuff in there about him always wanting this suit, and then, or, or he finally gets presented with the super suit and his ability to become an Avenger, and then he decides not to. Like I get, they're trying to play up the whole Cinderella thing, um, but yeah, I don't know. There was something about that 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 seemed weird. I feel like I should have sat and thought about it a little more before I recorded this. You know, I
4: like the Tony Stark gets some comeuppance in a way at the end of this movie I mean forget creating a crazy sentient AI that almost wipes out all human life on the planet he's kind of a jerk to Peter Parker throughout most of this movie like giving him this fancy suit and like locking a lot of it down with the training wheel protocols and then not giving him any way to learn it and then punishing him for figuring out how to hack it on his own it's just he's more of a jerk than he usually is in these movies i think so it's kind of cool to see him like stood up in that not stood up but like sort of stuck with a room full of reporters in the way that he is at the end of this movie
2: the whole mj thing was kind of weird where it's not mary jane it's sort of mary jane but people call her mj so maybe we're not going to get a proper mary jane and i'm okay with that like sure keep rolling with it it's fine um the whole movie honestly is just a joy And I'm so happy that we have Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to Far From Home. I'm looking forward to what else he does with that character because so far he has not done a single thing that has disappointed me or I think anybody as Spider-Man. Dude has an actual Queen's accent. How cool is that?
1: The certainty of Spider-Man's placement in the MCU is always wavering due to like the weird deal that Sony and Marvel have created to put him in the MCU. So really we're unsure of where he's going to go in the future. Uh, But I think... What this movie does is set up really nicely that he will have a place in the Avengers. He will have a placement under Tony Stark's wing and that they may or may not also create a sinister six for him coming down the line because the Vulture hasn't been killed like the majority of Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, villains. He's been put to jail. And I think that really leaves it open to have Spider-Man's awesome rogue gallery going forward if he takes a permanent place in the MCU.
5: It's so great to see that Marvel is moving away from throwing a villain out after one film. Toombs appearing in the post credits to talk with the eventual Scorpion is awesome. Plus the fact that Peter's efforts to save his life earlier in the film caused Toomes to keep Peter's identity secret. And says if I knew
0: who Spider Man was, he'd be dead already. Which is true, but he's also like, hmm, well he could've let me die. He didn't let me die, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play um, his secret and a little close to chest.
5: Really great ca- case of character development and I, for one, look really forward to seeing Michael Keaton come back.
7: In the end credits, Peter comes in and he's got his headphones in his ears and he's like, Aunt May, did you do dinner already? And then he goes in, um, goes into his bedroom and then there's a brown paper bag on the bed that says this belongs to you, T.S. Um, and so he's like, May, and she's not home. Um, he doesn't get an answer. So then he um, apparently puts on his suit. And then um, he takes off his mask and turns around and sees Mae standing there. And she's like, what the f-
0: And it cuts her off right before the end credits. Because in the comics, we know that Aunt Mae do- does learn that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But if my knowledge is right, it's not until much later in Peter's career as Spider-Man when Aunt May finally find, finds out. I mean, in certain books. We're not talking about the Ultimates here. But just the look on Peter's face when uh, he hears Aunt May scream and it's just sheer TH panic. Like, I've had that face on... I've had that face... I've made that face before when I was a teenager growing up and my parents were seeing me do something that I wasn't supposed to do. I'm looking at porn. And I just have, like, this sheer moment of... Oh no, what's gonna
5: happen? I can't wait to see where they take this character next past Endgame.
8: Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably Podcast Network. This episode edited and produced by Tyler Thornton. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com. And learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble probably by looking us up on Twitter as at CastersAssemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track.
1: Well, my favorite dangling thread of this movie is Spider-Man's thread because he's always dangling from a web because that's what he does. He swings. He's a web. He's a spider. Uh... (laughs)
8: Podcasters assemble probably will return in Thor Ragnarok.
3: UFOs also eat people. This bike tells me so.